Here we go. Toronto Maple Leafs carrying a three-game winning streak. Does that mean no one's going to be watching or listening anymore? Come we we only get like two thousand people watching on YouTube when all hell is breaking loose in Leafland. Uh, we had twenty thousand people watch the show where uh, we, things were going poorly. Well, that's like not it. the case. <clears throat> Philly. Yep. Boston, Carolina, and yep. tonight. The Vegas Golden Knights bring in an 11 and 2 record. Not bad, JB. Ooh, yeah, no, they are on fuego. This is good. This type of thing the Leafs need to be motivated, apparently. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, Jen Rolnick, Sammy McKee, and Frank the Tank right back at it for the next two hours. We get to tee up how the Leafs would look and feel tonight. Despite the great weekend, we're still seeing some lines being juggled. Mm -hmm. And uh, we see Matthews and Marner back together again to start this game. As is in their contract. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I don't have to ask you if you're surprised. No, not surprised. Uh, It does feel like the coach has seen enough of their special relationship that he knows that... uh, They'll Real be able to work through it. it. Can it feel so good? Yeah, they'll find it. They'll find it. So I'm not surprised there. I am surprised that Bunting didn't get to go play with like Tavares and Nylander and go help them win pucks or something like that, but instead is with a line that, as I joked about, they scored and he was like, ugh, I get Engvall and Yarncroc now. Great. And sure enough. Okay, for the record, it's Kerfoot, Matthews, and Marner tonight. Robertson, Tavares, Nylander. The third line would be Bunting, Engvall, and Yarncroft, followed up by Aston Reese, Kempf, and the hottest man in hockey, Mulligan. If Danny Mulligan, <laughs> he's the best man. <laughs> Coach called him the best player on the ice, didn't he? Yeah, multiple times. Sammy, yeah. playing an 11 and 2 big boy team in Vegas, mm-hmm. you okay with the lineup? Yeah, I'm okay with the lineup. I think tonight is just, it can go either way in terms of what Leafs team. I think it's a very big choose-your-own-adventure evening tonight because right. it can go both ways, right? You're coming in here after three straight wins. You beat two good teams in a row. There's a natural little, you know, oh, well, we could take our foot off the gas a little bit here. We're back in we're back in the good spot. We're back in the playoffs. Or they could still be riding high and be like, hey, we got another good team. we got to test ourselves against another good team that we already lost to this year. I really feel that this has the chance of going one of two ways. They just get the barn doors blow off. They play like they did against Carolina and Boston. I re- yeah. like it's a hard thing to figure out. That's why this team's so fun to talk about because okay, I literally have no idea. They, what they can't. They can't go in with the same recipe of a, a, a road game in Carolina where you, you're not bringing your best for 20, right. 25 minutes, and you're playing rope a dope. And you, you you find ways to hold on and then wait for your game breakers to show right. up. That that would be a recipe for disaster against a, a Vegas team tonight. It would be. It's funny, you know, going into a lot of games, I understand it wasn't the case this past weekend, but earlier this year it was like, boy, is this San Jose team, worst defensive team in the NHL. And then it was Anaheim, terrible defensive team, Montreal. 
you know, Arizona, you name it, the defensive teams they've played have struggled. Vegas is actually the best defensive team in the NHL or one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. So, uh, yeah, they have a different offensive challenge tonight than what they've been dealing with so far this season. I would say good news, I guess, on the goaltending horizon with Matt Murray expected to take full practice tomorrow. Yeah, we got a little update on both the goalies today at practice from uh, old Sheldon Keefe. Do you want to hear the clips? Yeah, let's go to Sheldon Keefe with our first Kippers Clipper of the day. Uh, he's, uh, he's feeling pretty good, all, all things considered. He went on the ice today to kind of test it out and see how he, see how he is. And, and he's not, you know, he's not full go or anything like that, but uh, felt good. But, you know, he's, he's not going to be available for us this week. So, I, I mean... The timeline is uncertain, but we call it week to week at this point. But the fact he's on the ice today and feeling good enough to do that is an encouraging sign. And he was speaking of Samsonov. Yeah, correct. So he was talking about Samsonov there, who is week to week now. And But uh, didn't sound week to week. Sounded like week what we have to I'm, classify him as that. But I he's, am surprised he's on the ice. Well, it's this week, not going to be. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, the yeah. following week is another week, so that is this week to week. So it's week to week. Yeah, but it feels day to day. He's like eight days away. Yeah, maybe. I've got him, yeah, 10 to 12. <laughs> I think 9.63. <laughs> you know what's funny is someone shared the clip of you and I arguing over Jack Campbell's contract last year, and I was like, four to five, and you were like, five to six, and it was five. <laughs> like we just we, me too. In. We both said the number, but the point is, you know, usually when we, we do these sort of things, we, we find it pretty good. So if you're 10 to 12 and, I'll, and I'm eight to 10, Let's call it 10. Excuse me. You want your two-day buffer? I, I, I won that one. <laughs> the Campbell one? Yes. I, I was four and a half, five. You were five to six. It's five. Well, come on. I mean, a guy that's never followed hockey in his life could have guessed between four and a half and six. <laughs> well, no, no. I took that's to all, five as my ceiling. we did. I know. That's a good point. <laughs> so, the, so then when do we think we'll see... Mr. Samsonov won't be this week because it's week to week. So they play Golden Knights, Penguins, Canucks this for the is, rest of the week. This is where Devils against next the, Thursday, November seventeenth. Yes, this is where one. the Leafs have to be ultra careful and conservative. We are talking about injuries that could plague goalies all year long. If you do not nip this in the bud, and there's any chance that they're coming in, even at 85 or 90 percent you are running a real risk when it comes to goaltenders this is not this is not uh, a groin for a, a, a player this is a guy that has to get up and down for two and a half hours so it's november 8th there's a game against the devils on the 17th that's next thursday which is a week and two days i'll take that one there's one on saturday the 19th against the sabers that gives you an extra two days and gets in your window. You're going to call that one? Does he play the Saturday night? That's 11 days from now? Yeah. Okay. Either way, it's around there. You'd have to you'd have to run a, a few practices, I think, where uh, he's – there's no doubt at all that whatever had ailed them is completely gone. So let's, That's all. So let's see. That leaves four games prior to my guess, five games prior to yours. Let's hear what he has to Sheldon had to say about Matt Murray and see if Matt Murray is going to return before those five games. 
where I got to skate a long day today for him, lots of work. It's the first time, you know, being in, in one of our practice uh, settings and you know, I'm told physically he, he feels good. Just, just going to continue to monitor that and see how, see how that goes. Uh, the plan would be for tomorrow for his first full practice and, of course, that's a big milestone for him to get through uh, in his recovery. Um, but physically he feels good and strong. Uh, it's just a matter of getting building back up uh, towards seeing shots and pucks from guys in a practice setting. And we are talking about a guy that's well-known for being hurt. Yep. He's, he's in today, full practice tomorrow. What do we think? What does that mean? You know, the timeline on Murray? We're, we're just going to play speculating doctors well, here today. If he's, if he's pra- uh, it's seven, seven days minimum, from his first practice. Seven days of, of really good practices, minimum. Okay, so he's not back before... Unless it's the Tuesday, the fifteenth, the week today, no chance, no chance. That's what that's that's my feeling, anyways. Come on, yeah. So we're you, going, but but we have to factor in what is the temperature of the water here, and it's it's cooled down. It's okay, so it, it does buy them time with this situation. If they would have lost both games on the weekend. Would there be a sense of get one of these guys back in ASAP? Yeah, that would exist, don't you think? Yeah, maybe. I just, with Murray, I don't think you, it doesn't matter, to your point. Like, you need him to be all the way better and all that. With Samsonov, I think they must be happy that this guy tried to get on the ice today. I've seen Sheldon and Kyle with goaltenders before and be like, it's like you can't say anything to them. You're not allowed to. The strength people are there. Like, everyone's like, yeah, it's a... Th- it's like you can't go out and tell the guy, get in there. Hey, okay, did we not witness that in with, the documentary with, with Frederick so Anderson? I bet where they, they want were... someone to just try to play through something a little. Like, when are, are you just not allowed to ask for, for a little? Like, if it's not going to make the injury worse, can you go out there and just see? Well, that's probably what, and that's probably something that Keith battles with with the 100 sports science people. That, right, right. That yeah. tell him. I mean, that's probably what the whole the Freddie Anderson thing was with the no communication with him and not talking to him. He probably talks to a guy that talks to a guy that figures out when he's well. They they ready come in and go. they tell Sheldon yes. who's available to him that day. Right. It used to be the player and the coach would talk, yeah. and you talk to the trainer and whatever. Now they basically come into the coach and say, "Here's who's on, you know, available to you." And now they have. So now Samsonov's on the ice today. So. Keith probably would have, had to have would have got to have a conversation with him and talk to him, but I agree it's probably a breath of fresh air to see the goalie like go out there oh, on the ice. Okay, well, good to know. At least you tried how, seeing how it feels. Like he, yeah. you, could okay, even, you could even hear him in that clip being like, "Yeah, it was, it was nice to see him out there." Like, <laughs> oh my god, that's allowed. Yeah. Anyways, Shalgren gives up the the bad early goal in in Carolina, but essentially does what he was supposed to do, and that's just. Make the saves that you're supposed to make and buy Samsonov and Murray time. And tonight would go a long way for that attitude as well. What's interesting, it would. What's interesting is the Friday-Saturday back-to-back. Like, are we definitely now going to see Keith Petrozilli get an NHL start? Mm-hmm. By the way, it was the Pittsburgh Penguins who ate Casimir Cascasuo's lunch uh, in his one NHL start when the Leafs were like, maybe he's ready. They got the Penguins twice, Friday and Tuesday coming up. In about uh, so, 
30 plus minutes, we're going to get uh, Jason uh, Bukala, former director of amateur scouting for Florida, on. Awesome. Uh, doing some work with uh, Sportsnet as an analyst. Uh, I want to get his thoughts on uh... Keith Petrozelli. You didn't want to say it. <laughs> I was gonna jump in there. Petrozilli. Petrozilli. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever it is. And it's did not. You, did no you catch a little bit of uh, his interview? Oh, from did the I media. Ever. Did I? He's ever. just so giddy. He looks. He's <laughs> just like uh, it's Christmas morning, man, and I'm put me in, coach. Yeah. I love it. I we loved do. it. Why? I mean, that's what you've grinded your whole life for. You're dying for a shot. Like, oh, my God, you get in there. Like, maybe you get lit up, but maybe you have the game of your life. Like, you yeah. may not get these many more kicks at a can. Like, you're dying to get in there. You could tell in his interview he is. So Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you like to have that attitude, than timid and scared? Yeah. Wonderful. Um, and he's, he's, come a, he's come a long way in a very short period of time, has he not? He has. He has. He's been good everywhere. It's just been that path that went through the college ranks where you don't play a ton of hockey. And you play in the coast where it's disorganized mayhem, and he was very, very good. <laughs> when is and Matt six and zero oh, as a Marley? Yeah. When's Matt Murray eligible to come off? Wasn't it? I forget when, how long it was, but like he's still got a ways to go on the LTIR situation too. I think so. This is going to be the things, unless I mean, Cinderella wrote a thing yesterday for a daily faceoff talking about guys who are available. I mean, put Corpusallo's name out there. There's other names like I think Samsonov would have to be way more hurt for them to do that, right? Like I think, yeah, it depends if you think that Shalgren is a viable backup or not, I guess, before you rule anything out. But, I mean, according to the, that he's on the horizon, Murray, so, I mean, whatever the hell on the horizon. It's right. like an like old Western, oh, Matt Murray on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we can talk more about that, but, yeah, Cervelli uh, threw out some names. Jonas Corpusallo, James Reimer, Jonathan Quick, Dan Vladar, Anton Kudobin. Those names are out there as potential trade targets. Were the Leafs to one? My my first thought on any goaltender that they would try to pick up either because of injuries or because Samsonov and, and Murray by the trade deadline are underperforming, mm-hmm. it would have to be someone off of an expiring contract. It would have to be. Why is that? Sorry, did I miss something you said there? I'm, I was no. I'm just saying whether or not the Leafs are are looking for a goaltender because of injuries. Mm-hmm. Or they underperform right. later on in the season at the trade deadline. My first thought is you you look for a goalie who's got an expiring contract. Why would you want an expiring versus because having you don't term. want to make a commitment to anybody yeah. at this point? If you're struggling, you got Murray for one more year. You don't know if you want Samsonov or not. Hundred percent. Vladar is interesting to me. Is a 25 year old guy who looks like a potential NHL starter. Could he be Jack Campbell for you? He's looking for a new contract. Yes. Oh no, he has a two-year extension after this year at two point two million per year. It's a pretty reasonable price. I don't but know. he he cost real. Is, is he is he not what he'd be Samsonov was in the off season? A guy that no, he was he was there. No, no, I'm saying, would you look at him much like the Leafs looked at Samsonov in the same light that this guy's got experience? Mm-hmm. But he hasn't proven he could be a, a number one goaltender. Yeah. Do you want to go down that path? Yeah. Right now he's an eight sixty five save percentage, so <laughs> maybe you'd be a little hesitant. But yeah, he has shown ability. You're right. He hasn't proven he can be a number one yet. Still uh, no easy did, did Frank have quick on there? He did. Okay. So again, we're talking about expiring contracts. We're talking about uh, 
minimal money left on the cap. Mm-hmm. He's at over six, is he not? So that five point eight. That that would shrink significantly. Yeah, I have Varlamov as well. I don't mm. know if Frank had his name on, but if if I'm not mistaken, he's got a Didn't. expiring contract. And Sorokin's pretty locked in. Uh, Talbot is another name that I had. I don't know if Frank had that name. No, I think Ottawa I'm, I'm, could get. That's interesting. I'm just Those ass- are great names. I'm just assuming that Cam Talbot yeah. would be in a position that they're going to move him for an asset. At, at that point, probably Ottawa's not in the mix mm-hmm. as we projected at the beginning of the season. Would the Leafs? I, I like Cam Talbot a lot. Well, by he the got way. a tough ride in Mini, where they were basically like, "It's flower show now," and he was like, "Okay, yeah, get me out of here." Then now, Jake Allen just recently signed, resigned in in mm-hmm. Montreal, yeah. but yeah. but he would still be, I think, in a position where Montreal could make a a decision on his future. What where's he? he here's at? what I hear. I hear from you that there are options. And all of them are like, I don't know, maybe. You know, like, eh, are we better now? Uh, and well, maybe we're better. Yeah, he's 2.85 oh, 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 for the next. Oh, no, 3.8 two year, next two years after this. Yeah, that's, that, that's a that's bigger commitment. Like. Yeah. For Jake Allen? Yeah. 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 But, but at least I'm giving you names with, <laughs> yeah. uh, that are bona fide yeah. NHLers. Yes. Talbot. That's all. Varlamov. Allen, for sure, for sure. So okay. there, there's options. No. Yeah. Well. Um, I do at some point <laughs> want to. Is my there we go. I do want to talk about Nick Robertson at some point. Oh, do you want to do lines? What do you want to do? Why don't we do Keith on his new look lines, okay. and then we'll follow it up with uh, your Nick Robertson. All right, uh, a few different things, but um, you know, a, a lot of it, frankly, is just how I feel best set up for us to compete in the game tonight and against this opponent. And you know, we we played them obviously not not long ago, and uh, had had a sense of of uh, what didn't work in that game and, and wanted to try some different things here, you know, being at home ice and controlling, uh, you know, last change and things like that a little bit differently. Uh, I just like that, you know, this, this setup here and it's uh, the way it works. It's a bit of a hybrid of what we did the other night, but uh, it's more of a reflection of how I want the line set up for today's game against this team. Translation. These guys are really good, and I think this is the best lineup we have. I like that analysis. I don't know if, yeah, I, I can the see time them for thinking experimenting. it is. Right. Although he did a little bit, but not too much. Okay. What are your main points on Nick Robertson? Nick Robertson, should we do the coach first or me first? Oh, you go first. You know, so we're we're watching some Robertson shifts before we came in here today, just to try to figure out where the coach has them and where where we have them. And, you know, my analysis, I I think I used to you guys was just like, he wants it so badly to the point where he can't seem to sit in the play, read the play, be patient. Like he's just, you know, he's an Alaskan sled dog that just wants to go, 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 go. And it's like in hockey, it's not always time to go, 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 right? There's some evaluating the comparison that came to my mind in my head. And this is probably ridiculous, but I'm at Costco the other day. There's a guy, first day on the job, he's taking my stuff out of my cart and they're telling him that's his job and he's loading it and he puts it on there and he stands beside the empty cart. And like, they were like, okay, bring the cart to the other side and like put the groceries in the other side. But he'd been told to do the first thing. That's Nick Robertson. You tell him to do one thing, he'll do it. And then it's like, you tell me what the next thing is. Tell me what my next job is. Like, there's no reading, reacting, understanding of why I'm supposed to be here. He's just... And you... 
still see that because youthful. there was a sense uh, as, as early as two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, that he was now next level stuff. Well, he can score, right? If you give it to him in that area, he knows the one thing that he's supposed to do as a Costco employee of the Toronto Maple Leafs is shoot at the net. And he does that really, really well. I just feel like he is tunnel vision on doing this one job for me. And it's, it hasn't been a well-rounded, made a, a well-rounded hockey player so far. Didn't um, Montreal's Wi-Fi defenseman there? Uh, <laughs> Jack-Eye? Jack-Eye. Harbor Jack-Eye. Didn't he actually work at Costco? Yeah. At <laughs> he, he learned how to play the not, whole game. Are you not mix, mis, mis, <laughs> mixing them up? No, I am not mixing up <laughs> Nick Robertson and Arbor Jack-Eye. <laughs> I think that's the last time those two will get compared. Yeah, exactly. The, and the, anyway. The one thing um, I will say about Nick Robertson is... They desperately need him to to work, to work, to be a fixture, to be a threat. Because right now, it is really still offensively off the backs of Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander. If they don't get any type of consistent look, and it was Mulligan, it was Yarncroft with the goal in Carolina, but if there isn't others who are chipping in, man, it is going to be tough on this hockey club. Well, and it just gets tougher when that doesn't happen because your opposition goes, okay, they got one trick or, you know, we call it a four-trick pony. <laughs> you know, you yeah. need some... Well, I mean, that's kind of probably why he's put Bunting down in the bottom half of the lineup too, right? Kind of try to infuse what's supposed to be a bit more of an offensive player down there to kind of spread the, the, spread the joy around, you would yeah. imagine, right? And they, right. they're, they're going to have to be patient here. And there might be some, some tough shifts for Sheldon to watch. Mm-hmm. And this is where it gets really tricky between coaches, general manager, and presidents is that oh, they're still in the development process of Nick Robertson. But then you got coaches that are feeling like, I got to win the next shift. I got to win this period. I got to I got to come up with a point or two right, in this pressure's game. Right, pressure's on my job. And I don't have the confidence or the wherewithal to hold on to Nick's spot. Mm-hmm. And I just think that when you look down the roster, there isn't anyone else. There isn't anyone that's close to him. Bunting is, but Bunting isn't enough. I agree. You know, I you look at the some more analytic stuff like expected goals for no forward on the leaf has a lower expected goals for than Nick Robertson than the outside of like Wayne Simmons and Abe Kubel. In terms of defensively, he gives up more than just about everyone. Like it just hasn't worked though, Kipper. So I understand that they want to develop this guy and get him to a place where they have another offensive option, but you're right. How much, you know, like you said, you it's okay it's going to look bad for a little while. How long can it not work? Before you go, okay, well, we got to win hockey games. This is not, you know, equal opportunity house hockey stuff. Would we like to hear the head coach talk about Nick Robertson? Yeah, he knows more than us. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's an age thing. It's a performance thing, you know. I think it's, yeah, yeah. I think that's it's that's part of the part of the growth uh, of a young player to really establish himself in the league, right? I mean, we've talked about it a lot as we've gone through as we 
you know, we've had a lot of players moving in and out of the lineup and such, and I've been asked the question, like, what are you, what are you sort of looking for uh, for different players there? I'm looking for a guy to step up and really grab a hold of it, right? And um, that Dennis Mulligan's game the other night is a, is a terrific example of a player who just goes out, um, you know, and, and has one of those nights where it's, you know, where you know, if I came in today and told you Dennis Mulligan was going to be out, you know, I would, I would be stupid. And it would be obvious to everyone that I, I would be stupid there. And that's what you're looking for is, is a player to make it obvious that they belong, that they're there, and they're making an impact. Sometimes it's offensively, sometimes it's defensively, sometimes it's a bit of both. Um, you know, so that's really what you're looking for for any of these guys that are moving in and out of the lineup. And then once that happens, you start to get traction, and, and then your spot is there, and off you go. So, um, you know, to me, Nick hasn't been able to do that here yet. Well, and he he hit it right on the nail is that, okay, it's it's nice that you get these one-offs, but where is the traction that he's talking about Mm -hmm. when it starts becoming the norm on the expectations? And, yes, we agree with you, Sheldon, that, you know, going into game 14, you would look stupid if you took Mulligan out of the lineup. But between game 1 and 12, when you had him in it, in the lineup, we also kind of said that you kind of look, you know, not like the lightest and brightest light bulb yeah. in it. So once these guys can show, if, if Mulgan can bring a lot of that look that we saw in Carolina again tonight, mm-hmm. and that's the trick. It's like those golfers, man. He's not going to, man. He's those, not, he, I don't golfers, mean tonight. I just mean he can't just, play like that every it's, night. It's, it's golfers on the circuit. Yeah. They're all can hit it 340. And he's a corn fairy player. That's what you're saying. Who can bring it when you're supposed to? Who can consistently? Who can just consistently be yeah. good enough that you're not being questioned every night? Well, this is I've seen this over my time with the Marlies and just over my time in the media too, where the Leafs are like, okay. We know how good Seth Griffith is. You should see this guy with a puck. He's a cheat code, and then he's great and does some things, and then it doesn't happen for a month. Rob, it, yeah, then, he's had one undeniable night, and it was his first game. Who's that? Robertson. Robertson, right. And Where this is the same as Nick and... Patan or whoever. You're right. And so having someone who shows who has a night like that, if he can do that once every 10 games, I think you put up with the stuff in the middle, but... It is tough when you're riding through some of these games where you're not getting anything from him when he's ahead of the play to say, yeah, just take some time. Yeah. I do think this is a frustrating thing for the Leafs that their the, players haven't developed internally, whether yeah, Sandine the, 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 or Robertson, Dermot, Engel. We can talk about Nick Robertson having as much skill and as Austin had said earlier, I think in the summer, that he's got a better shot than me and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when he's at his best... And when Mulgan was at his best on Sunday night, there is a, a physical element to both their games that you don't necessarily think of first. But when I wa- when we saw uh, Ro- uh, Robertson score those two goals, like one of them was off the wall where he beat a man physically. Right, he took contact from Jamie Benn, spun off. Thank you. Yeah. And went to the net and scored. And that's the part that needs to be consistent to either get you your looks or get someone else a look. But if you don't have that physical presence, and they're going up against a very big, skilled team tonight, mm-hmm. 
if I don't see these both both these guys physically engaged, then there there's a chance to Sheldon Keefe's point that there won't be any traction. Yeah, I'm almost surprised that Simmons or someone isn't in, being that it is Vegas. You know, it's it are, is a, a really go ahead. I was just gonna say, are they prepared to to battle like that physically, mm-hmm. night in, night out? I don't know. I just know that like Robertson, his, you know, his shot map or whatever, he's nothing in front of the net. Like he is having trouble getting to those areas and creating. So is it a physical thing where, yeah, that's, that's a big ask. I think of those players. I think it's something that you just, that takes time. And and I don't think you can force. He's just got to get older and stronger and and more mature. This is where I give Michael Bunting more credit is that he isn't the heaviest guy we know he's not the toughest guy. There are some some warts there. But th- this guy's he battles mm-hmm. and he's in the fight and he'll scratch and crawl and kick a puck over to Austin behind the net yes. and this is where at least bunting is is in the fight. Yep. You know, this is such a thing for coaches is finding what you're talking about, guys who can take that internal step. Did you happen to see Daryl Sutter's quotes today? I don't I don't think I even passed it along to you guys, but he was asked about his workload, heavy workload of some of his D. Can I uh, let me read a Daryl Sutter quote on his guys in internal development? He said, "It's too much. We've got guys we didn't pl- we played them what 23, 27 minutes." He says, "That means those guys are doing everything they can and this depth stuff we talked about in the summer, it's a bunch of BS. There isn't one guy in training camp that even took a step forward toward being a 6th or 7th or 8th defenseman uh, and we're playing them now. So it's time to ripen the apple a bit for them." That's this situation with Robertson. It's they wanted Sandine to be more and he hasn't taken that step. It's teams dying for their own yes. ELC guys to find it. And I don't know, you're right. Bunting seems to have found a way and it's the consistency of effort yeah. and the play when you're not scoring. Yeah. And I'm okay with yeah. bunting on the third line. I, I never had bunting as a as a top winger. For, He's there for the reason Robertson's on the second line. They don't have other options. But at least he, you, you know what you're going to get with him. Yeah, I agree. Why don't, uh, do you want to listen to the Sheldon quote on bunting? Let's do that. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Um, you know, obviously we, we've tried to give it some time to work through that and, you know, Bunce is still like he's he's competing his ass off out there. He's he's involved in everything. He's you know it's it's not that part of it. It's just uh, you know hasn't uh, hasn't come together both for he and and his line mates. You know, so a little bit of change in the chemistry uh, here today. A little bit change in responsibility. It, it's sort of not unlike the way it was last year. To be honest, I mean he didn't start on that line. Like he he earned his way on that line. He played lower in the lineup. Kind of found his own game. So, you know, taking a little bit of a step back here and, and, and try to give him that opportunity to just focus on on himself, maybe a little bit of a uh, lighter load in terms of matchups and responsibility. Um, you know, and we've done this previously, in, you know, this season, and it didn't last long before we moved him back, uh, before we moved him back, excuse me, and I suspect it'll be similar. But um, I think it is important for him to just you know, kind of reset a little bit in terms of his his process and what he has to think about or worry about when he's playing. I got a question for you, Kipper. How much easier would it be to commit yourself to a role like the one Bunting's been giving tonight if you have already been paid and given a longer-term contract? Because, like, if I'm Bunting, all I'm thinking about is I need numbers to get my money. Yeah, I think that... Uh, 
I, I think that would be a concern for sure, and that would be playing in your wheelhouse. And it's not hard to figure out that if I somehow, some way could muster a second season like my first, we are talking about a K of money. $25 million. U.S. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now, what's that, 163 Canadian? <laughs> and this isn't a way to get there. No. So, but, but it's a more realistic look at what he is as a player. It is. And hopefully he's mature enough to understand that and just work with the, the, the parameters that he is now in. And we've had conversations throughout the beginning of this season or even last season saying, yeah, but he's playing with Marner and Matthews. And when they're elite, how many guys go from 20 to 30 points or 30 to 50 points or, yeah. or, or, or 40 to 60? I get 25 points on that line. Wow. Today. So, so <laughs> I'm if, convinced if, of it. If he understands he's not there You're anymore. You're tapping home five and, a year. Yeah. And, but there's still other ways he can make himself valuable. And if it's not a a 60-point season or a, a new contract next season that starts with a five. A five? Hold on. I uh, know. It is a five. No. We, we, whoa, whoa, whoa. How rudely did you interrupt me? Start with a five. I'm, that deserves <laughs> correctly to be rudely yes. It starts with a five when you're going back-to-back jacks on 60-plus points, boys. Okay. Okay? Okay. It does. Okay. And But when, once you can get over the fact that that ain't happening anymore, mm-hmm. that you aren't with Matthews and Marner and you're not rolling the the the, the, the one-and-one or the oh-and-two night-in, night-out, then... What's your next alternative uh, playing down in the lineup? A well, 10 to 15 goal season for bunting, playing the role that he is now with the, with the likes of uh, Engvall and Yarncroft and Camp and Mulligan is, is, might, might be a, a pretty solid season. Mm-hmm. So one of the most popular things he's, in he's sports gonna really talk to, radio. He's going to really have to get going to get to 60. Yeah, oh yeah. One of the most popular things in sports talk radio is uh, trade re- proposals and contract proposals where you say, who says no? Who mm. says no to the Nick Paul contract if it's proposed to Michael Bunting? Just seven times 3.2. Me. Okay, well, you don't get to. You're saying. Who says no? Does Bunting sh- or does the team say no to that? Either team or either side if that's proposed. Seven times 3.2. Right now, if that comes to me yeah. and I'm Michael Bunting, I'm like, okay. I'll, yeah. I'll take the years. Um, I'm not giving it to him in November. Well, in January, what if he's on the 60-goal pace again? 60-point pace. Whatever. 60-point yeah. pace. I'll, I'll, I shouldn't say whatever. That's I'll, significantly I'll different. I'll happily worry about that then. Uh, my team's in really good shape again if if Bunting can get himself back on a 60-point pace. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily hand, handing out Michael Bunting Seven-year contract at three million bucks. You just can't pay him a big AAV. You can't give him five million dollars, or the whole, or you don't get to keep him. If he costs that much, you don't get the player. Well, the points moot because if he is able to kind of 
show back-to-back seasons of that, someone else will pay you that. They will. Someone, yeah. So he'd be fine, but the Leafs would be, be fine. But the Leafs would have to move on off of that. Right. They're better off actually slotting him where he is now and keeping him on a on a three times three. Three times three would be amazing. Right. That'd be amazing. Like the Kerfoot contract. It's just like three. What's it? You three look at who the, the Leafs have let walk out, out the door in terms of scrappiness and puck retrieval and whatever. Whether it's Hyman, Mikheyev. You know, I know Brown didn't leave, but, you know, some of the guys that have been better at getting pucks back, Bunting would be another guy. Not that he's a great forechecker necessarily, but he's in the muck, right? Bunting would be way more effective if there were more Buntings on the team. And he'd be more effective, I think, on a line of guys who played that way. Like, if you know, played him with Sezikis and someone like that, where just they're all out there doing it, it would be mayhem for sure. That's not the Leafs. That's not you, pal. That's not, you're not that guy, pal. <laughs> you're not that guy, pal. Um, I, we were just talking about Robertson before, and it kind of came to my mind. Like, they're playing him on the second line again tonight. That's just such a glaring hole for the no, Leafs. No, no, no. They're uh, like, just please help. Look at the left side, boys. I know. Kerfoot, but- Robertson, Austin Reese and Bunting. All good players. That's the, All good that's players. A, but that's what I'm saying. That's the left not side. a Stanley Cup left side, my friend. Then why don't you would do you think the Leafs are willing to include Robertson to make that left side more championship caliber? I think Robertson needs to play well enough to have other teams think that they want to give up an asset. I've got the Leafs right now where uh, like there is no stone unturned. I would go and you know I've, I've talked to enough people about Matthew Nyes. There are some that. He's a left winger, right? Don't have him as a lock, uh, A-plus prospect, that he still has great potential, but they, He's not a savior. They, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't deem him an absolute untouchable to try to get this Leaf team in a place where they could take a crack at winning a Stanley Cup this year or next. Hmm. That's so, good. I want that mentality. So, so me too. You're asking me, Ugh. Nick Robertson. I, I would think Matthew Nyes, for for a deal that you feel Kyle Dubas you cannot refuse, should be in play. I agree wholeheartedly. Kyle just burns it all down on the way out the door, and if it doesn't work, someone else's problem. And then, we gotta, and then we got to do a Leaf show for four years before they're good again. <laughs> no, no. The good news is that if you, if you get guys back healthy, and Lilligren was a big one, and I really believe that Lilligan, Lilligren has re- readjusted, you know, uh, everybody's kind of role and responsibilities on the back end, and he has added a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. It just seems that they are a little calmer. Their overall game's a little calmer. Yeah. Gio Sandin is a smart pair. Back. Brody Hall's better. But now... Now you get a really good look, hopefully in the next week or two, to say, okay, now that we got everybody healthy, you know, I, you know, unfortunately, uh, we're still waiting on goaltenders. Is, and Muzz is just, we're assuming, not a... Muzz is done. Okay. Okay? He's, well, he's, well, it's, it's over. Wait on him. You, no, I shouldn't say it's over. I should say that you, you treat it as if it's over. You have to act like it is. And yeah. You have to act like it, it's over. You're moving on. You're going to use that money. And if it comes... To a point where he wants to come back, may have to wait till the end of the season. 
deal with it then. But once you have an idea of what you truly have, now you could start truly shopping for what you think are deficiencies in your roster. Right. Um, one quick light note before we go and get to uh, Jason Bukala. Do you like the championship belt for the Leafs as like a player of the game? Do you prefer something you can wear as a hat? Do you prefer the ball? What did you guys have when you guys played? Because I'm always interested in that. I'm going to stay out of this uh, super fan conversation. <laughs> I don't like you the just belt. go with it. Like did you belt. have so you had you guys didn't have anything when you played in the NHL? Was there a player of the game stuff oh, back then? Gosh, uh, I don't think so. To be honest, I don't. With you. I don't think. Yeah. There's like a game puck the coach might give out or whatever. Did you know. we ditch the Raptor basketball? That was, was that one like year. three years ago. Yeah, that was one or two. I think that was a couple years ago. That was when Kawhi was still on the team. So, so. what is the what does the belt yeah, represent? It's, it's like a wrestling thing. Here's kind of, he, a bunch of people are gonna hate hate on me for this, but like, you know, I don't like it. Dubas is a big wrestling guy, I know, and I can't just, help but feel like wrestling's just kind of it's just for my nerdiest friends. Yeah, agreed. I, I just listen, whatever you need to win, <laughs> knock your socks off, boys. <laughs> But you I don't guys begrudge anyone never liking had, like, it. I used to watch it, but never uh. had anything. Nothing, nothing That's what me. I wanted to bring up because I thought you guys would have something good, but you're both looking at me uh, like you know, we had <laughs> we had a case. Oh yeah, a yeah. cold case waiting yeah. for us. Yeah. That's what we had. The coldest beer to the best. That player. was our hat and belt. All right, all right. I was in the East Coast. We were just chewing okay. Percocet on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> as our just boy, kidding, just kidding. As our boy Sammy uh, alluded to, Jason Buckla, Bukala, sorry. Uh, director of amateur scouting for Florida, used to be former, is now with Sportsnet. He's mm-hmm. going to give us mm-hmm. his thoughts on Nick Robertson, Matthew Nyes, and the potential out there for the Leafs to maybe pull something off down the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We also got George McPhee, president of hockey operations for Vegas. He's going to join us uh, in the next hour as we continue to tee up Golden Knights versus the Leafs. Real Kipper and Born after the break. All right, as promised, Jason Bukala, former director of amateur scouting for Florida, current analyst. Uh, we welcome him on the show now. Uh, Jason, is that is that last name short for Bukopolis? Are you Greek? <laughs> it absolutely is not. I'd be uh, getting in trouble with my Polish brotherhood if I uh, if I went down that road. So um, I'll stick with it. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Uh, big game tonight. Uh, we want to start with uh, the goaltending situation with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think you had a scouting report uh, for Sportsnet.ca that uh, talked about. Uh, 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 Petru, I'm really having trouble with Petruzelli. Petruzelli. <laughs> Petruzelli. Petruzelli. Okay. Um, and basically, what are the odds that this guy sees any light of day in a Toronto Maple Leaf uniform anytime soon? Well, uh, it's been an interesting 10 days, hasn't it? Even from right start from the beginning of the year. You know, he was, he was like fourth or fifth on the depth chart to start the year. He moved up because Joe Wall obviously still recovering from shoulder surgery but with the current situation and their games this week vegas tonight pittsburgh on friday and then of course uh, vancouver coming in on saturday i see him getting a start on saturday night against vancouver um i don't see shalgren going back to back um i see that this might be a chance for the kid to get a chance he he's off to a good start in the american league i've tracked this guy for i started looking back on my reports like six years now 
from when he was in Muskegon in the USHL and and then obviously went over uh, over to Quinnipiac and played out his four four full years there. He's a big goalie, six foot five guy. You you guys know the details. I mean, he's a new breed kind of an NHL goalie, the bigger style. Although there are some smaller guys that are having some success right now. Um, is he ready for this, Kipper? Not sure. To be perfectly honest, like uh, great start in the American League, but. He's a little bit, um, he looks a little lethargic moving east-west, and I think a lot of it has to do with his size. Uh, but it's going to take him some time to adapt to, you know, just how fast things happen around your crease at the NHL level. And he's the kind of goalie that, you know, if, if he gets outside the post at all and a rebound spills too far to his left or right, even though he's got length with his body, he's got to push real quick to get there. And uh, I think there's going to be some adjustment here in his uh, in his game. So, it's a nice story, I guess, for him, right? And he earned it. Um, but, you know, it's unfortunate at the same token that uh, the Leafs find themselves in this position right now. That was sufficiently terrifying for Leafs fans, I think. Just Hockey Night in Canada coming up. Yeah, he's not great laterally. <laughs> no big deal. Um, you know, in, in listening to, I guess, in talking about the plans for the Leafs going forward this season and how they may need to load up at the deadlines, kind of an all-or-nothing year, we were talking about some prospects. One of the names that came up was Matthew Nyes. And before we get into Nye specifically, I was curious about the process of evaluation in terms of cross-checking. Like, how do you know how Nye's would be compared to a guy coming out of the OHL or a guy who's in the American League or guys who are, you know, the 13th forward? How are you able to look at all these different people and get some sense of what Nye's might be like when he's able to graduate and get in the NHL? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's, it's an important thing for people to realize that certain prospects come out of certain territories in the world and are more ready for the North American pro game and maybe the NHL. Um, Nyes is going to have a little bit more of a runway playing against bigger, stronger guys at the college level, although he's young. Guys that come out of Europe, call it the SHL, for example, in Sweden, they're generally better prepared to hit the ground running in North America. They've been living away from home. Major junior players do that too, but it's different over there. They live in their own apartments and, you know, cook their meals, do their laundry, do all the stuff like a, like when Kipper played, you know, on your own. It's not like North Bay Kipper when you're, you know, boarding somewhere up there. So, um, craft dinner, craft dinner, <laughs> Northern Ontario. Um, so it's it's a different type of uh, of uh, scenario for all these guys. I have to say that generally speaking, major junior kids need some time in the American Hockey League to develop. I think it's uh, the safest way to go. I don't think that uh, all those guys are ready right for the NHL, but in a situation with like Nyes, he's been already performing against older, bigger, stronger bodies already, and he's closer to being NHL ready than some of these other prospects. So it takes, uh, in a, you know what, Borny, it, it takes time, it takes experience. You know, after I started traveling around the world, you know, for 18 years, I started to start to get a better feel of like Liga and the SHL and how kids are better prepared, and it just takes time to understand it. We're talking to Jason Bukala, former director of amateur scouting for Florida, current analyst for Sportsnet. When you were in Florida, Jason, um, is it kind of a standard thing from club to club that you just you you grade your prospects on an A plus or an A or a B minus? And how hard is it to be a an A plus or or, or an untouchable? Well, it's really changed over the years. Before I was in Florida, I was in Nashville, and that's exactly how David Poyle graded his prospects, A-plus down. Um, in Florida, we had a number system, and we would grade 
all the depth charts across the league. Um, I don't know in today's NHL, and I guess it depends from one team to another, your scenario, but in a cap world, um, I don't know that you can, you know, unless you have a Connor McDavid coming through or, you know, I, that's a, that's a, a obscene example, but somebody that's uh, really, really like Logan Cooley, who hasn't hit the ground running in Arizona yet. I would say he's untouchable in terms of any trade uh, discussions for that, for that franchise right now. Um, but overall, I don't think you have very many untouchables anymore, even in uh, in depth charts across the league. I, I don't think that NHL teams can look at it that way. There's too many things, too many moving parts. It's too unpredictable from year to year right now. Okay, so where would you have Matthew Nyes as a potential chip for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, he's their best prospect. But across the entire league, um, he's what I call a two-and-a-half kipper. He's not really a pure second-line uh, power four goal score, but he's also not a three. So he's like a high end three, low end two. He's a big body, but he's not an A plus prospect when you start to look at some other prospects in other organizations. He's getting tons of attention in Toronto. I know there's a lot of hype around this kid, but it's going to be a little bit of a slow burn when he arrives. The thing that he does better than their other prospects, he'll, he's going to be hard to play against in the hard areas. So if he doesn't produce offense, he's going to bump and grind along the wall. He's going to extend a play around the crease. He's going to do some of those other things that the team needs for their skill players to produce. So I see him more like that, like a power mid-range secondary scoring option. So just a better Engvall <laughs> for Sammy. <laughs> you just crushed every Leaf Nation listener right now. No, no you did, Kipper. Yeah, with that Engvall. <laughs> It is, uh, you know, hotly contested around here is, you know, how valuable that is. How much do you want to mortgage the future? One of the other guy, I know we've talked about him with you before, Nick Robertson. You know, coach puts him up on the second line today. He just can't seem to find it when he's not shooting it in the net. I made some obscene analogies trying to make sense of exactly, you know, what I see in him as a, a prospect still. Do you still consider these guys like Robertson in the organization, playing in the NHL as a prospect, as someone who's developing? I think Nick Robertson now, as he sits today, is closer to his finished product than he's ever been. Uh, you analyzed it well at the beginning of the year. He's quicker to space, like he's a little bit got more jump out of the uh, out of the gates. Mm-hmm. He can separate a little bit more with the puck on his stick. You know, like he's skating up ice with the puck on his stick and making people back off more. But the reality of it is that I'm not so sure he just is what he is. You know, like he's 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 going to be streaky. He's going to score at times. But is he going to be a guy that you stare down at the bench with three minutes left uh, on the road in Colorado in the spring and say, this guy's going to get the big one for us? I mean, you have other bodies like that. I get it. But you need to find those secondary layers, right? And um, the short answer is uh, I'm buying low on that. I I, I just uh, I'm not convinced of it, guys. Uh, And I love the work the kids put in. But I don't see how the Leafs could have Malgin and Robertson going at the same time in their lineup to have sustained success. I think one of those guys is going to get replaced by a different type of body. Okay, Jason, you're my director of amateur scouting, and I call you in my office, and I want your impressions of my left side. I tell you, I got Kerfoot, Robertson, Aston Reese, and Bunting, and you tell me what? Uh, 
<laughs> I tell you that I think bunting, uh, well, first of all, Aston Reese looks like he's a step off for me with his pace right now for whatever reason. Um, so I'm hoping that there's going to be a little more jump there. Bunting, uh, I think that Bunting needs continuity with his line mates in order to get the results that are even close to last year. He might have caught a little bit of lightning in a bottle there. Um, you know, I'm looking down at some other names like Robertson, uh, Engvall, if he plays the wing even. I don't love it, Kipper. I'm not going to, like, I don't know how else to put it to you. Kerfoot, I love Kerfoot's speed. I just wish that he had a little bit more um, jam to go along with it sometimes. Like, I wish he had a little mm-hmm. more uh, grind. Because he can get places so quick, and he's, he does compete. But sometimes you got to go get it yourself, bump a guy, and then escape with your, with your feet because he's quick. Like, I'd like to see a little bit more of that, if that makes sense to you guys. Yeah. So, so just let me just jump yeah, in yeah. quick. How, how do I improve that? You're my director of amateur scouting. Do we trade you know, for that? Is there, is there a name out there that you would, you would think that it would be uh, attainable for us to get? Uh, not right now. The, the, the guys that I would have, uh, like a Lawson Krause in Arizona, I wrote last spring and then going into the summer before he signed his extension, I think that's the kind of guy that they needed to uh, to go mm-hmm. after. Big body, can kill penalties, mean, 20-plus goal scorer. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of body. But you and I both know today, in today's NHL, those guys are so valuable. They're not being given away for free now. Like, if you can sniff one out and find somebody on a bad day that they hate the player and get them, don't waste your time. Go Nick, get them. Nick Paul. You'll never get them again. Nick Paul. Well, Nick Paul is another great example. Nick Paul is a great example. I mean, I would have traded for Nick Paul last year, too. And his trajectory kept climbing from when he was a major junior until Ottawa, which what you saw. But there's a role guy, right? There's a role for him. And before that, Barkley Goodrow in Tampa did the same type of thing. So, I mean, is there going to be a guy like that that pops between now and March? Maybe. Is it going to be hard to get him? Absolutely. Don't forget, a 50 contract max, if they move out a star player, they're going to have to move out other bodies to bring in another, at least one good guy or two good guys because it's going to have to get very creative when they get to that point. So, I don't want to talk down on the team right now. I actually think that they've persevered here a little bit. It's, <laughs> it's too late. late. It's too late for that. <laughs> they've, they've persevered the last little bit, but uh, the journey is, uh, is long from finished. Yeah, there's, um, there are challenges for them for sure. One of the, the challenges that we've discussed too is the decor, obviously. It's, uh, I don't want to say, we're going to call it imperfect here today. There's some work to be done. Uh, Lilligren, not necessarily a, a big guy. Sandine, kind of the same way. Not, you know, just not a physical group. I want to get a sense on the the trajectory of a guy like Sandine. I think they had something similar where they expected Dermot to take a step and it didn't happen. Sandine kind of feels like that to me a little bit right now. How do you develop prospects while they play in the NHL? How do you help guys get better without falling behind as a team? Really hard to do. I yeah. mean, you know, it's just, it's nearly impossible. Everything's happening too fast. The head coach has zero appetite to be developing a, a prospect on the back end in, in the NHL. I mean, he expects them to be ready to go. So I don't think you can, uh, to be perfectly honest. I think these guys got to be ready to go. Um, you know, Sandine, he, you know, for all the good that Sandine does, he presses with the puck sometimes, guys, and he gives the puck away in, in the worst possible areas of the ice and in the most, you know, inopportune times. I'm hoping with uh, more uh, games played, that he can uh, get that out of his system. But, I mean, if you look at their decor right now, 
there's not a lot of protection for these guys, right? Like, so you're going to be exposed and you're going to be put in situations that expose some of your weaknesses because that decor is, uh, it's leaking some oil on, on any given night right now. But uh, again, they're persevering. I don't see a lot. Like if Ben comes back in, there's, there's marginal minutes, some safe minutes, I guess you would call it. Uh, Lilligren coming back in, hopefully uh, takes uh, some pressure off a hall. Um, I don't see Mete being able to defend consistently enough, given the fact that he doesn't produce enough offense for his style of play. Between now and the trade deadline, uh, Jason, do you expect an impact trade, and do the Leafs have uh, a, a prospect capital to do that? No, I don't see it coming from the prospect pool unless you're going to start to include a Matthew Nyes in that equation. Um, I think that uh, it's going to be – we're probably going to have to revisit, depending on the status of the team, one like a big name up front uh, uh, in relation to what they have to plug on their back end by that time. So, I'm still uh, I'm still kitty by the door on the goaltending. So I'm I'm kind of I'm going to take pause for now and, and adjust on the fly. But uh, they're going to they're all in, right? So they're going to do whatever they think they need to do. Jason, really appreciate uh, your your time and uh, your your knowledge, your analysis on this. Thanks for doing this, man. Anytime. Thanks, man. Thanks, Appreciate guys. it. Jason Bukala. Really, really good Former stuff. director of amateur scouting for Florida. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, hey, listen, <laughs> you, you, you yes, know who was. you're talking to. You're talking to a, an experienced guy that's been down this path before. He's, and, uh, yeah, it was really, uh, really good to hear uh, his take. It was. You know, the, the question about the left wingers to me is, like, you can't be good everywhere. You just can't. You truly, like with a salary cap, you kind of have to make some concessions here, there, everywhere. I feel like if you go through their top six, like you, you're accepting of some weakness. I just don't know how the Leafs can fix the problem that you see. I, I also felt bad for Jason there because, not like I felt bad. He gave great answers and it was a good conversation, but it's like they are, are they've won some games here. Okay, they've won some games against some good teams. But there are some absolute holes and needs on this team. Like, it's not a perfect squad after beating two good teams in a row here. Mm -hmm, Like, the conversations that we had the last couple weeks are still floating around there in terms of the stuff that he pointed out. Like, he just brought up so many great points, and none of them were unfair. And he even was like, I don't want to be down on them. They kind of righted the ship. But a lot of the stuff there... He said, was like, oh, God, he's right. Oh, God, he's right again. Like, <laughs> you know, like, were you not thinking well, that the, when he was the talking? The is a two and a half I, I was the most interesting takeaway for me. I, I think we've been pretty consistent in terms of the way we, we wanted to look at the Toronto Maple Leafs this year. And it's like, you don't necessarily get caught up in wins or losses, but how they look to us, how they As a potential Stanley Cup contender. I, I can't watch a game from opening season puck drop to game 82 without always thinking how 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 would this look against this particular team in a best of 7 final mm-hmm. right or a best of 7 series yeah, sorry yeah constantly it's the takeaway it's constantly yeah for me is that and and I know the difference I know when when a team's playing 3 and 4 nights or coming off a road trip or need to get out just for the sake of a change. And the Leafs went through that already this early. Mm-hmm. Got to get out of town, mm-hmm. right? Oh, my God, this is going to be the best thing for us. Let's get out of town. Let's go out west. Then you finish your last game in uh, Anaheim, and it's like, I can't wait to get home, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Was that old saying that Harry Neal, uh, 
Can't win on home. Can't win on the road. We're running out of places to play. (laughs) (laughs) So that's really good. That's all I'm just constantly watching and and thinking and and observing out of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, it's hard to imagine that the Leafs playing 30 minutes, 20 minutes or 25 minutes, wherever you had it against Carolina bringing that to tonight's game against Vegas. Like, that stuff, No, it does catch but, up to you. But again, you know, they were on the tail end of a back-to-back, and they traveled, and it was the game was 18 yes. hours after the one all, end. All you factors. Know, like, yeah, so all factors. I, I, I totally get it. It is funny because, you know, Sammy's talked about how the Buffalo Sabres fans are in their sweet spot right now. And you, when your team is turning the corner from garbage to good, you root for enough wins that you start to think about the big picture stuff like we do. The Leafs, to their credit, have won so much that the winning is taken for granted. Like, we just assume they're 7-4-2. and two. We've talked about them like the, the Titanic is sinking here. It's an awesome point. They have earned their way to this point where everything is judged against yeah. the Stanley Cup and the Stanley Cup yeah. teams and the playoffs. And so that's why sometimes I worry we're a Leafs show. I do worry that sometimes we come off as negative about the Leafs but it's almost like a coaching. I think you and I kind of almost act as coaches sometimes where it's like the standard isn't the other teams. It's the best well, teams. Half the, half the league stinks. <laughs> okay. Can we just factor that in for a second? Yes, we can. How many nights do we look at rosters and go, oh, my but God. But it's too that's, hard. That they're that, out that, of that, that group. They have elevated that, beyond that's, that. That's a dog's breakfast. Yeah. I'm just right? looking the at all the teams. I'm looking so at all the we, teams we, that we stink, are, and there's a lot we, of stinky teams. We, yes. There's a lot of stinky teams. <laughs> but we have the Leafs not in that group. That's correct. Yes, and it's so and so it's different. So that's I just want that so clarification. Our, our, if we come our, off as negative, it's because the standard is high. Our, our bar is high. Yes, I got no problem telling the world that. Yeah, my bar is high for this team. I think if the Leafs were legitimately bad, if they were like twenty third in the league, you and I could not do a show together. <laughs> <laughs> we would need we would need like Steve Dangle as the other host or someone oh to like paint, paint a smile on it some days because I don't know if we could do it. It wouldn't be on YouTube. I couldn't go two hours without hitting somebody. <laughs> We'd have to get it off YouTube. Imagine this show, 2014, 2015, like the Babs year, first year, the worst team in the league. And oh. We're talking about Nick's, Scram beat it. Nick, Spal- <laughs> Nick Spalling's contributions to oh, the roster. And the worst part is when they're trying to lose, right? And it's like, why are we even dissecting this? They don't want to be good. I just would have a very hard time with that. I don't... So how many... Uh, uh, how many years still were there? No, I was just saying, like, we probably thought three, four, five teams could act like that this year. Like, and to their credit, to I mean, Montreal's the, the the number one team we probably had that mm-hmm. uh, was going to just completely mail it in. And maybe they will, maybe they won't. I don't know from here on end, but it's, I don't know, is it serving them well right now? I, 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 I think so. Montreal? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Montreal is having a fun time being better than they expected. They're still a 458 winning percentage and 23rd in the league. They're still going to be at the bottom. Close buddies who are Habs fans and they they love watching their team. Having a great time. Yes. And and they're getting better. Columbus. Right? And Cole Caulfield is doing great. Suzuki looks awesome as the captain. Like they have. And yet they should be in a position for Connor Bedard. The Canucks need to make the move, boys. They need to to just 
do it and go the other direction, we should actually, we had, I know we, we have a break and a we, guest and we'll get to that. We got George McPhee coming up after the break, but we're going to have to have a, another conversation about Vegas is just checking uh, first in the National Hockey League. Oh, is that good? Yeah, seems okay. Wow, good for that. We also got <laughs> Pierre Dorian uh, giving DJ Smith a vote of confidence. Pierre we, Dorian we tells us about Pierre Dorian. In the tank. weirdest way I've it's honestly one of those most strange clips I've ever heard in my Justin life. Justin Bourne's looking forward to hearing it. <laughs> so is Sam. So we got Jimmy Rutherford going the opposite way with Bruce Brudrow. Oh, we got a ton to still get into. Let's take a break right now. We'll bring in George McPhee to help us tee up his Vegas Golden Knights. And then we'll pick up this conversation after the break. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Real Kipper and Bourne. Hockey Operations for Vegas Golden Knights joins us now. Uh, George, first of all, thanks for joining us. Uh, hope things are well for you. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Yeah, hey. uh, no complaints. Good. Uh, George, it just seems from that, that first season where you ended up uh, going to the Stanley Cup final, you, have, you guys have been a, on a mission uh, to probably make bigger and bolder moves than we've seen combined from maybe six, eight teams and just, you know, just rifling off a few names like Robin Leonard, Petrangelo, Eichel, Stone. And now you guys start the season at 11-2. and two. Is, is, is your, the, the fruits of your labor finally paying off here for you? you... Well, uh, you know, it's amazing. Our first four years, we played in 11 playoff rounds. Uh, pretty remarkable for an expansion team. And... Our, our uh, objective from day one was to, to put the best team we could on the ice, and uh, and that was going to require some bold moves at times. And um, but that but that's what we're going to do uh, to try to win. And uh, you know there there are different ways you can approach it. You can take the four or five year plan and try to draft that number one D, that number one goalie, the, the, you know two elite centers and so on. Um, we tried a, a different approach, and uh, I, I thought it was really good for the Vegas market and really good for the NHL uh, uh, so far. So um, last year was a disappointment. We really uh, got hammered with injuries. We I think we're second in the league with 513 man games lost. It was just a really difficult uh, season. This year, so far, we're fairly healthy and. You better be getting points when you're healthy because there are going to be lots of times during the season you're not, and you're going to face some adversity and it's going to be hard to get points. Um, so we're trying to get them while we can. One of those uh, those people you need healthy and has been healthy for you is Jack Eichel. Uh, obviously a lot has hinged on um, his success. Has he been uh, what you expected as advertised? Has anything been different or surprised you about the way he's come back from that surgery and played for you guys to date? Well, it was surprising how, uh, and, and you know it's very elaborate surgery, but to go through that kind of surgery and come back and be playing in three months was remarkable. He probably could have played a little bit earlier, but we, you know, they, they set the, the minimum at three months, and so mm-hmm. obviously we wanted to make sure he got that amount of time to recover. Um, and I, I think that, you know, what we like about him, obviously he's, a, he's quite a talent um, and he trains really hard. And I, I think what we're seeing now is a, a young man who's really becoming a very solid 
uh, 200-foot player. Uh, uses his strength well, shoots well, moves the puck well, but he's good in the, in the defensive zone. He's good in the offensive zone. Uh, but there's, he's very coachable, but there's always more room for growth. And that's, uh, you know, he's often the last player off, in, off the ice in practice. But uh, his size and strength is impressive. Uh, and again, we're, he wants to be a complete player and sort of fits what, we're, what we uh, are trying to accomplish as well. I'm not uh, asking you to tell us that, uh, you know, the store is shut between now and the trade deadline for, for Vegas, but my goodness, I look at your lineup one through four and I look at your defense and, you know, the only, I think, question is uh, the experience in net. But outside of that, I mean, I, I, I don't see many holes in your lineup. Well, again, Nick, we're, we're healthy, so you hope when you're healthy that you don't have, when you're healthy, you don't have too many deficiencies. But, you know, in the words of uh, Lula Morello, if, if you're not trying to get better everywhere, you, you're getting complacent. There's always something you can do to, to try and get better. And that's why these jobs drive you crazy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but. You know, we like our team. We like the way they play as a team. Um, Well-coached group, good bunch of guys. And, you know, you just keep your fingers crossed and you hope uh, for good fortune. So you guys get the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight, a talented hockey club who has fallen short of expectations in the postseason, but obviously been very good in some regular season hockey uh, over the years. Um, I'm not sure if you, you're able to keep an eye on, on what's happening up here, but it, you know, it was ugly for a bit here when they were four, four and two. What is your perception of this year's Toronto Maple Leafs team? Um, you know, heading into your second matchup with them. Well, I haven't seen them enough, um, this year. And I was, uh, out of town, uh, when they, when uh, the Leafs played in, uh, in Vegas. Um, but it's a, it's a good team. They've won three in a row and it's so early. You know, they're, yeah. they're a 500 team over, you know, it's, we're, we're 13 games in. It, it, it really means nothing. There are lots of teams that have had slow starts, so they're going to have great finishes. And some teams that have, that have real good starts that may not finish. You just don't know. It's, it, it's that early. So they've got some uh, elite guys up front that uh, always make them dangerous. They can beat you on the power play and, and if you're not careful. So, um it's it's you know they're like anybody else you play in this league now everybody's good yeah you know and you know anybody can beat you at any time it's it's a it's a really good league it's just a really good league you don't know from one night to the next if you're going to win or lose and that's that's pretty impressive hey george i want to ask you about uh how you've seen the uh goaltending market evolve uh throughout your your career here because in a perfect world, who wouldn't want a Vasilevsky or a Mark Andre Fleury or Carey Price in their prime to win a Stanley Cup? But when you see the likes of uh, Darcy Kemper do it and, and still be expendable, uh, what does that mean? And now you've gone to uh, a guy like uh, Logan Thompson, and how's his progression been? And uh, is it uh, is it fair that uh, a guy with uh, that lacks experience now takes on a, a team that uh, is supposed to be contending for the Stanley cup. Is that, is that the new norm now in that? Well, I do think uh, most clubs would like to have a, a, a tandem approach. Uh, the league is so good. It requires so much of these guys 
to play 60-something games. Uh, there aren't many guys that can do it and stay sharp and be good for you in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, we're trying uh, the, the tandem approach. Uh, didn't have much of a choice, to be honest with you. We lost our starting goalie on uh, August 15th. Um, but we like these two young goaltenders. Uh, we had Logan, he's a talented guy. Mike Greer called us about Aiden Hill. Our staff had time for him. And um, I just I just think, uh, you know, we like what Boston has done the last few years with, with a, a tandem approach. Um, I think it's healthy for your goalies to, to approach it like that so they can stay fresh and focused. And uh, so that's what we're trying to do. You know, goalies move around now more than they probably ever have, but that's probably more cap-related than anything. Darcy Kemper wins a cup, but he's on a different team the next year. That's unusual, but cap-related. And, uh, you know, the flat cap we've had for the last few years has really made it difficult for some clubs. Uh, you have to move some players you don't want to move, but uh, there's no other choice because uh, uh, the cap is... Uh, is put you in that position. And, and what is what, what have you seen out of Logan? Has uh, he uh, exceeded your expectations, or is he right where you, you thought he'd be? I don't think we're surprised, Nick. Uh, he's a very talented guy. Uh, played really, really well in the American League. Uh, won a lot of games for us when the team was outplayed. Um in addition to the talent, he competes really hard. He doesn't give up on anything in practice. And I think that, you know, your teammates like that, they're coming in and, and trying to score every time they come in to, to force you to be better, to make them better shooters. And, and you're in there, you know, Logan's in there giving it everything he's got to deny you. And first rebound, second rebound, third rebound in practice, he doesn't give up on any of it. And, so uh, I know Sean Burke has been really impressed with that part of his game, and Sean has liked Aiden Hill over the years. So uh, I think he, if you ask him, he's pretty happy with both of them. George, I, I look at your guys' team and how solid you are in the back end. Your decor obviously has a lot of talented players. I look at the Avalanche who, who just won a cup. Uh, same thing, wonderful decor. I feel like that's such an integral part of having success in today's NHL. I just want to get your philosophy on team building. Do you think that's the most important important part of building a successful team in today's NHL, and has it always been like that? Yeah, I, I think so. I, you know, it's uh, you don't ever want to get too thin on the blue line because you can really be exposed back there. And uh, I, I really like the way that our uh, blue line has. Uh, been constructed and the good news is we have uh, some young guys in uh, the American League that look like they're going to be real good defensemen as well and and so when you're in this spot where you've got it's, it's well constructed you can take your time in developing the other guys you don't have to bring them up too early they're not on yo-yos and they just develop at the right pace and you know we went through it with uh, White Cloud and, and Haig and you know Derek and England had hit a point in his career where his game was starting to fall off and it was, you know, he was aging out and we were able to insert uh, White Cloud in there and he had 130 American League games under his belt. So he, he filled the hole and he, he did a good job. And Nick Hague, 130 games in the American League. And so um, 
it's nice when you're in that situation where you don't have to force young guys into your lineup because they typically, if they're too young, they don't get better very quickly uh, and they miss out on some development and they really don't help you win. So, um, you know, the defense is important to us. We're strong down the middle. We've got a good blue line. We're happy with the goalies. Um, so, again, you put it together and then you cross your fingers and, and hope it works. One more for me, George. Just uh, early, what, what have you seen out of uh, your head coach, Bruce Cassidy, and uh, and ultimately, um, you know, what did you see in the off season that uh, led you to him? Well, uh, as you know, Nick, I hired him in Washington many years ago, and uh, um, I thought he was ready and still believed that he was. It just it didn't work out, but at that time, I think he believed he was a good coach. I think now he knows he's a good coach, and there's a big difference there. Um, I, I really like him as a, as a coach and as a person. Uh, you know, his technical packages are all common sense. Uh, allows players um, to use and trust their their IQ and their instincts. But as you know, Nick, it's more than that. It's to be a good coach in the NHL, you have to do a lot of things well, and he does. And you have to be a lot of things, and he is. And uh, just thought he was. If you know, we just got the sense that Boston might be doing something, and I uh, talked to Kelly about him, um, and and Boston made a move, and we been on the phone with Butch and then had a couple of uh, Zoom calls and it went really well and we were uh, pretty aggressive in trying to get him. Um, didn't know whether we were or not, but we we made our best pitch and it, and it, and it worked out. Well, congrats on the early success and uh, we are so looking forward to tonight's game, George. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, should be a real good game. Thanks, Nick. Okay. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. George McPhee, president of hockey operations for Vegas. And boys, I'm excited about tonight. This is fun. I am really looking forward to seeing Jack Eichel because he has been somewhat polarizing, no question, out of Buffalo and all this talk about Kenya. You like him, you don't like him. Can you win? Can you win with with him in your lineup goes to Vegas and doesn't get off to a great start. And people are questioning it that much more. And yet he comes in and he's not McDavid or he's not Matthews no. scoring 60 goals, but somewhere he's close to those guys. He is that talented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a game breaker, and we saw a couple OT winners from him this season already. It was interesting. McPhee seemed to go out of his way to comment on him defensively. So I just kind of was digging through some of what's going on like with Eichel this year. Two hundred foot. Yeah, he, he, he spoke of him as a guy that can uh, can get it done at both ends of the ice, and which we've never really thought of Jack. No, as. And he is bang on. I mean, statistically, anyway, in, when he's on the ice, like there's nothing happening in front of the the Vegas Golden Knights net. They're, they're in the right end of the rink. His Defensive numbers are the best of his career. So, you know, he's found something there being on a good team and maybe being a little bit older and mature with a good decor. It's it's impressive. I think there's, it's almost like golf in this way, hockey, that a lot of guys sort of look a lot alike out there these days, like the way they've been coached and the way that guys Mm -hmm. skate and the way that guys shoot. Pro sports, I think. 
but he really, to me, is one of those guys that's a distinct difference. Oh, that wide look. track, that skating, eel skating, smooth. Oh, the way he's he on rails. It. Yeah, he's I, just. I I really really am happy that Buffalo traded him. To yeah. be honest, like that's a guy that I don't like in the division at all. And he loves to play against the Leafs. I, I, how do you not listen? He brings it to the Leafs. That, that's how what would you do. not want to watch Matthews versus Eichel like oh, four times a year? <laughs> oh, because Matthew, because Eichel goes bar down every time he plays the Leafs. That's <laughs> pretty simple answer, yeah. Nick. Yeah, not that hard to figure out. But. I don't want to be entertained. I want the Leafs to win. That's correct. Right. That's one hundred percent right. But no, I just, I really. I just, I'm glad that after, because that was a scary surgery and there's no guarantees coming back from mm-hmm. that. And it was a bad scene there. Like, I'm back that he's, I'm happy that he's back to full strength and looking the way he did before. He's got he's, 47 shots in 13 smooth, games. Boy. You know, it's interesting though. He did still say, you know, he can always room to get better. You know, he's a guy that must still be working on his game and that's admirable too. So it, one thing about, t- you know, before the break, we talked about the Leafs and the expectation for them and we compare them to the good teams. You never feel when there's a great team coming in to play in Toronto that the Leafs are just going to get run over. I don't anyway. I always feel like they can hang with these teams. Not that they're going to win necessarily, but like you're excited for a good game. I expect yeah. a good game tonight. I like, agree. You know, I wish one of their first or two second string goalies was playing. <laughs> good point. Sometimes they just pretend goalies don't exist and gloss over the is that, fair, is that a fair statement that? kipper gave me a sta- uh, look there no, is no. that a fair statement no it, it is for yeah. sure and you just hope that because uh, remember they had that green can can hold them in just be fine they right? had just that be game fine. be a 900 was don't it, be worse don't so let was, a bad goal in yeah they right. played against colorado last year we we're all juiced up for that and they had a they had a goalie from my beer league game in net last night didn't they lose win like nine three oh against, against colorado, colorado. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 was it jonas 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 or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Just bull bulls. Yeah. One, one, of those one more note on the uh on Jack Eichel going to Vegas. I don't recall when we heard the trade where Tage Thompson, his name was factored in. Was he just one of those throw in prospects or well, was I think, he I think he was a big deal. Was he was he a big deal? I don't know. When I'm like a lot of people, I hear the prospect name. I was like, tell me when he's good. Is Peyton Krebs the guy yet? I don't know. They, he's not. Well, they got him for in the O'Reilly trade, right? That's where Thompson, Thompson came from, O'Reilly. Oh, did not he come from O'Reilly? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it was Tuck. Krebs. Krebs. Yeah. And Picks. then a first rounder? Something like that. Correct. Okay, all right. All right, but this is is like the weakest spot of our show where we talk about something we don't know (laughs) about. The the chat is like, guys, just just remind me of the O'Reilly trade. Um, Just let me pull it back up here. Boom, boom, boom. The O'Reilly trade uh, was uh, traded. So Tage Thompson was traded with Patrick Berglund. Nope. Who quit hockey? Yeah, he went to to the SHL or something, didn't he? Uh, Vladimir Sabaka. Was uh, he a uh, bigger deal than He was a good player. Tage? Good player. He's in St. Louis now, has been for a bit. Uh, he's a first-round pick in the in the first-round pick in the 2019 right. draft, which turned into Ryan Johnson, uh, who has not played. And then it was for – then that was the trade okay. and for Tage, Ryan O'Reilly. Tage was a, a late first pick? He was drafted first uh, in the first round, 26th overall in the 2016 NHL. Yeah. Pick, great pick. Yeah. They're lucky they hit on that one, boy. Okay. <laughs> Stud. You know, my favorite player. As good as Jack is, uh, my eyes have been wide open so far watching Tage Thompson. You guys and Tage Thompson Buddy, overselling it. You're crazy. Six, have you seven, watched him play? On yes. Rails. I saw him live. Best best player in the rink he, by far. He, hey, yeah, he went to his best game of the year. He was six, dominant. Seven. I, I'm, I call him Tage Lemieux. Tage Lemieux. I love it. 
Relax. I know. Relax. I'm a little over the top. I, I, I know. <laughs> well deserved. Well deserved. Okay. Uh, where do you guys want to go first? You want to go Ottawa and then work it out uh, west? Or do we hit uh, Vancouver right now? I, I feel like we've... Ah, let's do Vancouver. It's the juiciest one. All right. Everyone's doing Vancouver. Let's okay. just talk about it. Let's see how you... You you stroke this on our on our lineup Uh-oh. today. Uh oh, Johnny um, journalist having a look. Jim Rutherford throws Bruce Boudreaux under the bus <laughs> again. Again, again. <laughs> Let's have it, Jimmy. All right. So this oh sorry this clip's from Canuck Central with uh, my boy Dan Riccio and uh, Sat Shaw. Uh, yeah, and Sat Shaw from, uh, okay. from last night. So just wanted to make that sure we played that. First of all, this is not going to. Uh, first of all, this is not going to get changed in a in a real short period of time. I, I know that we all recognize that, and there's a real challenge here, um, you know, related to sorting out contracts and, and and different things like that. But at this point, I would have expected better. Uh, I didn't like our training camp, um, and we continued into the early part of the season um, the same way as our, our training camp was. And in order for us... There's a lot of things that have to happen, but in order for us to become a better team, we have to play with a stronger system and and uh, and really be more accountable for some of the things that some of the players are are struggling with. So, when in the NHL now, the way the game's played and the way the game's called by the the referees, uh, it's hard to defend because you know you can't get away with mm-hmm. those cross checks in front of the net knocking the guys out of the way. And so it's understandable that teams are going to give up uh, leads. And, you know, it happens all over the league. But the fact that it has happened as many times as it has for the Canucks in this short period of time, it's a major concern and something has to be fixed. (laughs) Just wheels over Bruce. So we got bad training camp. <laughs> oh <my God>. Bruce, <laughs> no. How many times Oops. at the training camp? Is there that he the goes. Tenth time he's Oops. mentioned that. The training. I camp. know the training. So unless that, Bruce, that, that's just saying uh, you're not organized. Unless Bruce threw out a sleeve of tennis balls and ate a Snickers bar on the bench, I mean, he's kind of overdoing it on the training camp thing. How bad could it have been? <sighs> so then, Brucey got asked about it this morning. At- practice one here yeah yeah well no i'm hearing about it uh, this morning like a lot of people and you know it is what it is right like we just uh, i i try to keep the noise out and keep the noise out of the room as much as possible and and just focus on what we have to do at hand and that's when a hockey game so that's our focus tonight because make things are usually done behind closed doors when you're talking about structure and systems and things like that well you know what uh this is my 47th year in the business. I've seen a lot of things, so I mean, it's just another thing added to the added to the to the book that I'll never write. <laughs> I'll write it for you, Bruce. I volunteer. <laughs> a lot of good stuff in there, I think. I don't know how else he could answer that question. About the last one? Cl- yeah, about closed doors, and mm-hmm. of course, he wants to say, yeah, I. I we yeah. don't prefer it that way. Yeah, we but. don't need to be talking about this. It is so weird that that Jim is doing this publicly to the point. Where you have to believe it's on purpose. Rutherford is doing this on purpose. Is it because he would like to make a change and isn't allowed to by ownership? 
that's the only conclusion I can come up with is that I think is he trying to smoke him out publicly? That's what I'm saying. Like, is the Aquilini's like, look, we're not playing Travis Green, Bruce Boudreaux, and Rick Tockett, so just deal with Bruce Boudreaux. We're not going to win anyway this season, Jim. Because honestly, it's embarrassing. I don't think it's fair from Rutherford to so publicly talk about his coach in a way. He said structure, accountability, the training camp. If you went through the list of things I would pin on a coach, it's everything he's saying. It's Bruce like, desperately tried to find another job this offseason. Yes. Yeah. Like it's a bad relationship now. And it, it never stood a chance. It never stood a chance. As long as there was a window for him to go back to the last year of his deal, uh, it was either that or, or, Sit at home. And didn't Rutherford say at one point, like, he was under the impression that Boudreaux didn't, he didn't know he had another year or something? This may be from a previous conversation about it, but, no, like... You're starting to act like me now. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'll be remembering that, that right. Uh, Thompson and me, Eichel trade. <laughs> <laughs> but, but really, like, he, he mentioned that the way that the Canucks were winning when Bruce came in last year is not sustainable over a full season. Like, he knew that even when they were successful, the coaching wasn't going to work. Well, you're the the guy to decide that. Then go to your GM, unless it's Alvin. Unless Alvin's saying I'm not doing it. Well, every time Jim is publicly out there on this, like, where, where does that put the presence of his general manager, Alvin? You're right. It's right? not right. Like, aren't like? Oh, well, you're just a messenger. You're just uh, what there to uh, do what exactly? Well, this reminds me a little bit of the whole Gorton thing in uh in montreal right where it's like it seems clear that the person above the gm is involved in the decision making to a degree that maybe is i don't know just let the man go just let him go the canucks need to move on let him go start over here's bo horvat biaxa oh yeah (laughs) you know what it wouldn't be any worse. <laughs> that's like the Jeff Saturday move for the Colts. Just hire him. Just pull the guy out yeah. of the ESPN booth. I don't yeah. know if that's quite the same. Actually, it probably is quite the same. I'm 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 really surprised that uh, uh, Jim's consistently out there as the president. They're, 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 I feel like we're talking about Brandon now. Actually, Brandon, the more Jim talks, <laughs> even Pierre Dorian, like – the more you talk about your your coaches and your players, like sometimes it's it just won't help. Just yeah. doesn't help. Well, and you said and that about I the think Leafs. Brendan's best move was not saying anything at all in that that small window mm. of of the crisis, the early crisis. But he never he never gave us a chance to go back on him and say, you know, you said this or you, yeah, we insinuate. That so you true. Were leaning towards he just here knows he or not can't there. win if he comes out and speaks. Exactly. He only talks two times. Preseason, postseason. That's wild. What a joke. You know? He only talks w- at the year end when they lose in the first round. He says everything's fine. Wow. We're just going to keep Which everybody. Which means and then he talks in the preseason says we're going to win the you know we're the best. Those are his two times he talks. All right. Am I wrong? Sorry. No, no, you're not wrong. You're oh, not okay. wrong. You're not wrong. Um I want to make sure we hear Pierre Dorian. Are you ready to uh, to do that? Oh yeah. Okay. On general manager of the Ottawa Senators, Pierre Dorian, on his head coach DJ Smith. 
very happy with him. He's it's I think it's the first I wouldn't say very happy because we're four and seven, but I'm happy with the job the DJ's done, uh, his staff has done. Uh, obviously at four seven, it's a bit tougher. I think it's the first time that we've given him a team that can compete for the playoffs. So we're gonna uh, one thing about Pierre Dorian. Pierre Dorian is loyal. Pierre, Pierre Dorian is very loyal. I think DJ's done a good job. He's shown that he can win. Uh, I'm not giving votes of confidence and everything. I, I think that's that's foolish. DJ's our coach. He's going to be our coach. I have faith in how this team plays under DJ. Okay. <laughs> okay. What, I know what, you're going what, what was that glitch he just had? Jimmy knows. Jimmy knows. <laughs> okay, that's Jimmy. what Jimmy from Jimmy uh, Seinfeld, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, Mike Babcock, the way Mike Babcock so coaches is I, just... I have two questions, and you brought this up to me before the show. Is his name pronounced Dorio? Pierre Dorio. Is it Dorio? He, I think the only reason I he did this know. was to get people to say his name right. Pierre Dorio. Pierre Dorio. Why? Derek, can we, can we get it again? Let's, <laughs> hear, it, let's hear, it. hear it clearly. Pierre, Pierre Dorio. Pierre Dorio. Can we hear it? Derek? Derek. Can we hear Pierre Dorio again, please, Derek? That's Very okay. happy with him. He's, it's, I think it's... The first, I wouldn't say very happy because we're four and seven, but I'm happy with the job the DJ's done, uh, his staff has done. Uh, obviously, at four seven, it's a bit tougher. I think it's the first time that we've given him a team that can compete for the playoffs. So we're gonna. Uh, one thing about Pierre Dorian, Pierre Dorian is loyal. Okay. Pierre, Pierre Dorian is very loyal. I think DJ's done. <laughs> I think he just kind of faded at the end on Pierre it. Dorian. I just can't ima- imagine talking like that. Like that's the most to me. It's the most ego. Justin Bourne thinks we're having a great show here, boys. Really, you know, Justin Bourne's been down on the show. <laughs> Just a bit, like, imagine I said that. You guys be like, what are you having a stroke? Even when I remember in my career was uh, Jeremy Roenick used to say, it's not, you know, this is not JR hockey. <laughs> That's different. That's different. Jeremy I, Roenick, I, JR could get away with it. Yeah, he's always been most, a, he scored 500 goals in the NHL. He's one of the most, like, he's a personality. You're allowed oh. to say that. Jimmy's getting upset. <laughs> Was that one of the lines? Or, yes, it is. Hey. It's unbelievable. <laughs> that was, like, um, interesting. So, but anyway, so that's a, he says, I'm not going to give our coach a vote of confidence, but I'm not firing him, which is, that's what that is. It's a vote of confidence. So the Senators, four and seven, he's surprised? People are surprised. <laughs> Who's surprised? Senators fans? Yeah, well. Oh, I had Sens fans friends that thought that th- this was a playoff team. Yeah, I never saw. I, I, I thought they could hang in there. And yeah. I, I still think they'll, they've been they, unlucky. Yeah, I think they, they, it's hard to say now because uh, Norris they've lost is Norris for the year. Broken, yeah. They also you know, went through their schedule so far this season. They haven't been beat by more than two goals. They've lost a lot of one-goal games. Their last, like, four losses are one-goal games. Like, they're in hockey games. They're competitive. It's not like it's a bad team. I never liked their blue line. No. Well, that's exactly right. Is You know, they got better players, and now they're competitive. But, yeah, it's still Zaitsev and Zub I like. All right. Zub. Okay, let's move on. Because okay. we've, yep. we've had a, we had a conversation on Ryan Reynolds the Ottawa Ryan Senators. Reynolds can refer to himself in the third person and Ryan. it would be okay. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds is going to buy the Ottawa Senators. I think Senators. we did reference that it's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And I the think guy's got a hundred million dollars and we're like, we, we, we do believe that Ryan Reynolds <laughs> has confirmed it's a wad of money on the 
on the Fallon show last night, didn't he? Yeah, he did a little talk. I can't believe that Fallon show still on. Do we have a clip? We we have the we have the whole thing. No, not a big Fallon fan. I just who's for? I don't know. I used to be like a late night show guy, and it's just something different now. You're in bed by ten thirty. Touche. As soon as the Leaf game's over, I'm done. Leaf talk. I'm snoring. So, all right, let's listen to Ryan Reynolds. So there's a rumor going on that you may be interested in buying an NHL professional hockey team, the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators. Yes, that is a Canadian team. Yeah. That is a kid. It's an NHL team, the Ottawa Senators. I am trying to to do that. It's a very expensive. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I need like I need somebody, a, yeah. yeah, I need a partner with, you know, really deep pockets. Yeah. Um, you know, much bigger. That's it's called a it's called a consortium or consortium or a consortium mm-hmm. when you form a group together to to buy an entity. And I just it's such a it's such a fancy way of saying I need a sugar mommy or a sugar daddy. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But you, you um, do need one, yeah. yeah. And if that Well, there it is. Yeah, the man's broke. Broke. Yeah, send him to the poorhouse. Worth a, we, we looked it up. Uh, his net worth is 150 mil. So let's say he puts oh. to forward 100 of that. I don't know. Is that buying food and beverage for the building? <laughs> so you have to be so rich to own a sports team. <laughs> <laughs> so rich. It's grotesque. I starting to warm up a little bit to the fact that he is willing to just. Come in and hang out. He seems there's, there's like a, a ton fun, of pros. He would be a fun guy yeah. to hang out. And you can already tell that he wouldn't be that guy. No, well, he's who very busy. He knows more about the game yeah. than anyone else. Yeah, That's he's a great a point. actual movie star. Like one of the <laughs> 10 most famous actors. He's an incredibly actors on famous Earth. man. Yes. So, like, he would be busy. He would not be there every day being like, are we sure we want to overpay their I, fifth I, I, defenseman? Like, he's, Zoom on the right side? Yeah, are you sure? <laughs> it's not happening. You know, great ambassador. And also, his reputation is integral to his income and his livelihood. So, you would think he wouldn't want to be embarrassed. He wouldn't want to be the team that is paying the salary floor or is that a laughing stock in some way? It'd be oh, a great thing. He, you think he even knows what the salary cap is? Are you kidding me? Hey, he's Canadian. Oh, he knows. I no. You just get your, your daily email from Canada.gov what the <laughs> salary cap is in the NHL. <laughs> well, like, if you're interested in buying the Senators, you like hockey. He just, they just, him and Blake Sorry, Levy, the million dollars to Ottawa's food bank. Like, he's you must like part hockey. of the community there. Oh, yeah. Yes. So he knows what the salary cap is. Kevin. No. Oh, you guys are no, nuts. I'm no. with Kipper. I, well, I don't no. think you're average fan. No. What? If you went to the Toronto Maple Leafs game tonight and asked yeah. every fan in the building independently what the salary cap upper limit is, oh, no, 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 no. how many I, get it right? Oh, okay. You're asking for the actual number? How, what percentage I was, of fans? I was saying, does he know that a salary cap exists oh, in the NHL? Well, that's what we he knows okay. there's well, a That's why I was getting cap. so bent out of shape. But would he, would he have a clue? What it, how it works. Boys, or... I got to be honest. I don't know the exact numbers. <laughs> <laughs> it's 82.5. I was going to say 83. So, <laughs> See, you know your biggest problem is you, you got to find bigger celebrities to hang out than me and Justin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's not hard. You could I... probably do it in down the hallway right now. Christine Sinclair was just kicking around here last week. Wow. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Kicking oh. around here. Good, good joke. Uh, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Of Christine Sinclair. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, oh. oh, no. That's <laughs> oh, like, really? uh, yes. that, that to me is like uh, absolute legend. Soccer royalty. Canadian legend. Yeah. Number, yeah. She's very All right. high. Also, list. anytime you go out and say F your opponent, which she did recently about Seattle, uh, big fan. Yeah, big fan of that. that. Let, yeah. as, Do you have something coming out or it's out already on the Calgary Flames? 
I don't think it may be out now. It's probably okay, out now. What, what, do you, what do you want to say about it? <laughs> I'm on the clock here. Right now, we are. When a game show, do you have something else? Uh, <laughs> you actually have something else to get to? I don't, I don't know. No, I'm just going through All the lineup. Right, I want to make sure we get through the lineup. I have. I did some stat digging on the Calgary Flames. I have. The okay, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kidding. Go ahead. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> That's great. Um, in basketball, ball movement is a big thing in terms of generating offense. How much do you move it around? Passes? How spread the floor? All that sort of thing. The Calgary Flames pass it the least in the NHL. I want to know if you think that's relevant in terms of generating offense. So they. Uh, move it the least east to west in the offensive zone of any team in the league. They pass it the least off the rush of any team in the league. They're like 27th in the league in total passes. Does that matter to you? Or can you be straight north, south, Daryl Sutter, shoot it, get it back? I don't know. All I got out of that is that uh, they're playing with a ball, right? They, they, the ball. <laughs> they have the puck. Are we still talking basketball here? <laughs> no, they, they do have the puck. But because they don't pass it, they don't okay, get any sustained ozone time. They 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 traded for passers. No, uh, the best in history. Eighty three assists, I think, was Jonathan Huberto. You you you've never yeah. had a left winger mm-hmm. pass more team in chemistry history. How can this be? No chemistry. This is my theory. So because they don't pass, they have no ozone time. They're one of the bottom five teams in ozone possession time. They basically, they get it, they shoot it, they go back the other way. They get it, they shoot it, they don't keep possession. My theory is chemistry. That when you play with guys a lot, you know where they are, you make the little passes, little slips, you maintain it, oh, he likes to go in there. I just think they're really having trouble finding themselves. And when Daryl Sutter's your coach, he's not telling you, hey, go out and look for cute slips. You know, I want we go out there and make little passes in the ozone. Eight days. He's like, wouldn't this have been in the the conversation when Tree Living trades for a guy like this? Is he? They're like, we need good players. Daryl type of player. If if he's if he if he put together an eighty three assist season. Mm -hmm. On many occasions, there were those moves that you just mentioned. Yes, many, many, many. What would Daryl do? when he would see those type of attempts night in, night out. Did that ever cross anyone's mind? Sure, but Gaudreau probably did that a lot too. I don't know how many assists he had last year, but it probably wasn't much less than 65. Passing is the best part of hockey. So they, sh- they That's a crazy take. So, so, so they shouldn't feel restricted because Daryl's now telling him I just North, can't figure South. out why this team is their passing stats are so terrible. And to me, it has to be chemistry or coaching. Well, the Leafs, or something. And the Leafs are, what do you say, second on the list in passing? Yeah, Leafs are second. It's like the Rangers are first or the Devils are first. It's like Rangers, pass, Leafs, Devils. Passing is the best. Like a good hard pass, tape to tape, that puts a guy in is the most exciting play in hockey. I love a pass. Okay, we're closing in. Leafs, uh, more st- stretch passes than any, any team in the NHL. I hate, I, I, I've been a. a I've not been a fan of their stretch pass from day one. And it is a huge part of their offense. Most completed stretch passes per game. Okay. It's like 14 per game. Ovi last night, boys, was a horse. Did yeah. you watch him? Yeah, I did. Still Ovechkin. You guys know you just wait for me to now He's gonna go break. the other He's way on that. See Zach Hyman God. lift his stick like he was a 13-year-old girl. He's going to break Or boy. Record. Does not matter. Hyman who lifted whoever stick either way. Way to cover yourself. <laughs> way to cover those tracks. The last 30 seconds of the show there, JB. <laughs> He's going to break the record. Yeah. Oh, of course he is. Okay. 
I'm exhausted. I am too. George McPhee, thank you for joining us. Jason. Oh, come on now. Run. Bukala. Bukala. Bukopolis. Thank you very <laughs> much for joining us. Zelly. We are back tomorrow. Hit a ratings and review alike for us. Always a pleasure. Real Kipper and Bourne.